Hello, hello, hello. What's up, everybody? This is Supriya Mehra, your mortgage advisor, and you're listening to the Canadian Real Estate 101 podcast. More people than ever are building generational wealth through real estate. And on this show, I sit down with some of the top real estate agents, lawyers, accountants, and investors to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies that they are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Hello, and thank you for joining me today at Canadian Real Estate 101 Podcast. This is your host, Supriya Mehra. If you have been listening to us for a while, I wanted to share my gratitude with you today. Hope you have been enjoying past released episodes. And if you are new to this podcast and you're listening for the very first time, then sending you a warm welcome. So this week, the Bank of Canada did not do any rate hikes. All the realtors, mortgage agents, and people who are impacted by the prime rate are definitely giving some high fives. However, the tone was still hawkish. There could be a rate hike if the spending is uh, not under check and, you know, if, if inflation is not brought down to that 2% mark that Bank of Canada has been mandated to bring it under. Okay, so moving on to today's show, we have Jordan DeBrincat. She's the VP of Altree Developments, and she possesses some valuable insights and expertise. She excels at connecting efforts meant to bridge the end user and the developer in today's ever-changing landscape. In this episode, we actually have a great discussion about perspective from a builder's point of view, from a developer's point of view. As buyers are facing some of the challenges, so are these developers. And uh, what challenges are we facing, are they facing, is something that we ponder about, is what we discuss about. And uh, from the buyer or an investor perspective, what are the key things to consider when making a purchasing decision? So without further ado, let's get rolling. Hi, Jordan. Thank you so much for joining me today at Canadian Real Estate 101 podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me here today and really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on as well. And uh, before we get into our conversation, our interview why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and uh, what you're up to these days? Sure. Um, so I'm Jordan DeBrincat. I am the vice president of Altree Developments. Um, I've been in the development industry for um, just over 11 years now. Um, I started as a project coordinator or EA. I don't even remember what the title was at the time. Um, and now fast forward 12 years later, um, and I'm the vice president of a multinational real estate development firm. I'm kind of the overseer, I guess, of all departments as it relates to Altry. Um, So I'm kind of, I like to call myself the jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I like, I can fill literally any hole. And, you know, I think it's important to be able to have that consistency from the beginning of the project to the end. So that's the strength and the advantage that I bring to Altry. I think what I'm kind of really excited about these days is I think that now we're coming into a little bit of a difficult sales period, um, especially with interest rates as high as they are. Um, and I do think it allows us to have the time to be able to focus on each project. And what I mean by that is before interest rates started creeping up, I think you couldn't have enough product that was be able to stay on the market fast enough. Everything was, you had it on the market and it was 
sold out in two, three days. Um, and I think we all got used or a lot of people got used to um, that being the norm. And from a development standpoint, it's very nervous. It makes us very nervous because our vision and our mantra is to be able to provide housing for people. In order for us to do that, people need to close on housings. And it almost seemed as though people were just buying for the sake of buying. It wasn't like they really understood the product, which kind of goes against what our visions and values are of a, of a, as a developer. So I do appreciate the time now to be able to spend the time, be able to go back to a little bit of our roots from um, being able to really focus on marketing, um, figuring out different strategies, really working with a lot of agents and purchasers to figure out what it is that they're looking for and doing our best to, to be able to offer those things. Now, I will say it's been very tough. Um, sales have slowed down. I mean, there are some sales that are happening in the market, but they've definitely slowed down. Um, and just as much as purchasers are being hit with high interest rates, so are we. Um, so although it's giving us a unique opportunity where we're able to focus a lot on um, really the projects that we have and kind of what they need, but it's also causing us a little bit of stress on the back end. So I think there's always a healthy balance to everything. And I'm really looking forward to getting back into, you know, having the time to really market the projects, meet with people, learn a little bit more about what people are looking for, really educate people on our projects, which I think is is something that we haven't been able to focus on over the last many, many years that the real estate industry has been kind of skyrocketing. Right. So talking about uh, challenges, we all know interest rates is one of them. And that's from the consumer point of view. From the from your side of things, uh, from a developer point of view, what are some of the other challenges that uh, you know most of the developers are facing and in today's world? So obviously, considering with the interest rates and the reason for that is they're trying to curve inflation. Um, inflation has really affected us, um, not only on um, salaries of our current employees, but also construction costs. You've seen a crazy, crazy increase of construction costs and. Normally, at the time that you're going to sales for a project, um, you're still a little bit of ways away from being able to lock in a lot of your construction costs. And not only that, but during COVID, where it was kind of everyone was hit with it, um, there was things outside of our control, like shipping, um, availability of materials, and everything, all that affects your timeline, which in turn affects your bottom line at the end of the day. Um, so we're seeing, still seeing a little bit of an increase in costs. Um, you know, we're not seeing the 12 to 15% that we saw maybe a year and a half ago, but we're still seeing that 4 to 6% co uh, cost increase on a year-to-year -year basis, which is something that's a little bit foreign to us because we weren't seeing those when interest rates were lower. Obviously, you know, if you understandably, you know, a lot of businesses and trades and stuff, they're also getting hit by high interest rates, so they need to charge more and ultimately affects us and it affects a number of different things. Now, leaving that kind of aside, there's also a number of different challenges that we face as developers. A lot of it has to do with timelines. Um, you know, I'm involved in a project um, in New Jersey, and we ended up getting zoned for that project, I think, within three or four months. And, you know, I had gone through the process. And again, you know, stuff in New Jersey in, in the States is, is different, differs from state to state. But, you know, getting something approved in New Jersey was something that was new to me. And so I was talking and being like, oh, we got this approved pretty fast. And they were like, pretty fast. We were we were slow. And I was like, it took four months to get it approved. Like, that's not slow. I'm like, you go back to Toronto, you're anywhere from 18 to sometimes 36 months to get something zoned. Um, and we never used to be that way. Um, and people don't understand, but those timelines really affect our ability to be able to, that affects all of our project. 
So, and I think it's gotten a little bit harder with COVID. I think with staff working from home, you know, everyone having a staffing crisis of not being able to find staff, it definitely has affected our timelines. So I think there's a number of different challenges, um, but I think one of the unique opportunities with challenges is that you find a different way to try and overcome those challenges. Um, and and with that, it's you're constantly learning something new, which I think is 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 really nice. And we're afforded a really great opportunity to be able to overcome those challenges. So while they are challenges, I do say that you know they are things that can be overcome, and it's just figuring out different ways to overcome them. So let's move on to the opportunities and how you are working towards, you know, basically overcoming them. So what are those opportunities and what are specific steps that you and your company are basically taking at this point to make sure that it's not the best situation, but how are we making best situation in terms of everything that's going on? Sure. So one of the things I think Altree focuses on is Altree focuses on projects that are in neighborhoods that have, um, you know, under listing, uh, underlying fabric of a community, but maybe isn't at the forefront. And what I mean by that is, obviously, if you go downtown Toronto, you know what downtown Toronto brings you. You have your different pockets in downtown Toronto, whether you go east, west, north and south, but they all are very, very established, well-known areas. Um, I think one of the benefits that Altree provides is Altree develops projects in neighborhoods where there is an existing fabric and an underlying context of a neighborhood, but I don't think a lot of people know about it. Um, and with that, you know, you have more of an opportunity um, to be able to price things accordingly, which is obviously cheaper in most cases than downtown Toronto. So you're allowing, being able to already broaden your horizons of who can afford your product. And not only that, but I think you're able to be creative and you're able to bring out the qualities of a neighborhood. It's not like we're building a neighborhood. We're coming in and we're really focusing on what is in a neighborhood and how that relates to wanting to bring more people to that neighborhood. So I think that's an that's a of the like our vision and focus is a way that we're trying to take that we've always been trying to take a take advantage of those opportunities. But in times like this when, you know, obviously securing financing is hard, what have you, being able to have a price product that's lower than your competitors out there just because of your location, I think is an advantage and an opportunity. Okay. Uh, I think some of the other things that we look at is right now we're looking at different amenities and we've always kind of looked at different amenities to include in our in our buildings. Um, you know, specifically, I have a tower. We have a tower at um, in Etobicoke that just took occupancy. It's a 35-story tower um, right on the Queensway. And one of the things that we did was we did a um, a hobbies room that had arcade games in them. And it really s- spoke to the marketing of the project. Um, and we try and do something that's unique in every single one of our product projects. And I think being able to offer something that's different allows you to stand out among the rest. So as I had mentioned at the beginning of the call, that you're able to focus a little bit more on the project itself. You're able to come up with a unique offering that gives you an opportunity to be different than everyone else. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all, all developers are, as I mentioned, are all have the same vision, which is providing housing. And so sometimes it's really overwhelming to clients and purchasers to figure out, I have 50 projects. How do I narrow it down? Like, it's like almost like information overload. And so being able to come up with, you know, different aspects that come out that brings your project kind of one level above the other projects that are out there is is something unique. Um, and not only is that location, but it's also amenity offering, how you're displaying that that message, how close are you to transit? Are you letting people know you're close, close to transit? It's all those different things that I think come into play 
um, when you have so many projects that are on the market and, you know, purchasers are not so keen on buying and how do you get them over the edge? And I really think those being able to educate them and provide them with the tools to show what it is that they're buying is really a unique opportunity. And it takes time. It's not easy. Um, but I think if you have a team that's dedicated towards putting in the time, I think it's just a recipe for success. Yeah, no, sounds fantastic. Now, moving along, um, your past projects, uh, what kind of projects are um, just closed over, I guess, last two years or so on? And are the majority of your you know, clients are the, or purchasers, are they first-time home buyers or home buyers? Or are they primarily investors? Sure. So I'm a firm believer if I don't think that you can have a development that's totally catered towards one demographic type. Because I think in times like this, that's when things kind of go haywire for you. Um, so we always look at doing it 50-50. I'm going to tell you kind of the three projects that I currently have that are under construction and the one project that we have that we launched earlier this year. And I'll kind of give you the demog demographic profile of what it was at the time that I sold and what I think it's going to be now in today's market. Um, so I, as I mentioned, my 36, my 35 story tower in Etobicoke, originally we bought, we sold probably 60, 40, so 64% uh, to investors, 40% to end users. When interest rates started going up, we had heard a lot of people saying, you know, I'm actually going to move into this place. And I think it went more so to 50, 50. Now, again, even now that interest rates are very high and it's hard for people to attain um, financing for their own home, we do see a really big uptick in in uh, in renters. So honestly, for Zora and my, it's a it's a you know at the time when we had launched, we launched in 2019, and now we're just at occupancy. We're occupying the tower. It really is 50 50, and it's really nice to see that mix of buyers that's there. A lot of people were first time home buyers. There was a lot of investors who liked the area and just bought to add to their collection. Um, and we actually had some people who were downsizing, which was really nice to see. I have a project that's at Forest Hill and St. Clair. Um, it's a nine-story luxury boutique condominium. Honestly, it's 85% end users, just given the area yeah. and the price point. Pretty much everyone that has bought there is downsizing their homes or they bought for their kids who are in the neighborhood. So I, I do feel that there's going to be a lot of end users there. It's also a different product and a different price point, so understandably. Um, and then I have a project that's currently under construction in Scarborough in Highland Creek. It's um, uh, two eight-story buildings, um, 539 units. We're 80% sold on that project. And I, I want to say we're 50-50 there as well. There was a really big push on community there. And a lot of people loved the Highland Creek neighborhood. And so they bought for their parents, their parents downsizing. A lot of first-time homebuyers as well. A lot of students because of the fact that there's this school, the University of Toronto Scarborough campus is just down the street. So I want to say 50-50. The project that I just recently launched earlier this year, which is Kingside, it's uh, on Kingston Road facing the bluffs. I want to say that majority of the people there are likely going to be end users. There's larger suites, larger outdoor spaces, and it's more so of a quaint community. So I think that's going to be end users. I do believe that in order for a building to be successful, it has to be 50-50. I don't think that it could be just one or the other. When you have two swayed on investors, Everyone just gets so pissed off because there's people going in and out, renters, it's hard. And when it end users, it just takes a little bit longer to sell because it's an emotional purchase and totally understandable. So I think in order for a project to be just that sweet spot, it needs to be 50-50. And that's pretty much the consensus around all of our projects with the exception of our Forest Hill project, uh, Forest Hill Private Residences, that's 85% end users. 
Got it. Yep. No, that's that's fair. And that makes sense. Now, in the times when uh, it's becoming difficult, more and more difficult for people to qualify in terms of the mortgage, so if somebody is booking uh, an investment or for their own primary residence, uh, what are the requirements? So do you require, like, do they have, first of all, I understand that they have the 10-day grace period once signed. And what are some of the other requirements? There must be some kind of deposit structure that you put 5% or 10K, whatever, at the time of offer and then staggered over number of months or number of years. What is the mortgage requirement? Because from what I have seen, every developer has different mortgage requirements. What are your requirements for your projects? Do they need like a full approval or do they need do the clients need to bring sort of a letter saying that, yeah, you'll qualify uh, from a lender? How does that work? So normally it depends on who the construction financier or financer is going to be because they dictate the terms of that because they need some sort, of, some sort of security against their loan for our construction based on the deals that we've sold. Um, normally the way that we've worked is I don't need firm approvals. I just need pre-approvals. Um, we normally ask them to be open for the length of construction until occupancy, which I've heard that a lot of banks are being difficult on extending those pre-approvals by two, three years. I'm normally flexible because, again, I understand how difficult it is. And we we normally just say if someone will accept us for now and if our bank come back, comes back and, back and asks us for, for further information, that we may need to ask you for more information. Or if someone has a comfort letter that says that from their banking institution that says that they have the financial ability to be able to close in cash, we take those two. It really just depends on our bank and what our bank requires. Um, but we're us- we usually try and be a little bit flexible considering also the market that we're going in now that it's very difficult, especially with the provincial s- stress test. And it- it's just making it very, very difficult. So we try and be as flexible as possible. Okay. Perfect. Now I know you, you know, your projects are mainly 50-50. So Say, for example, if some first-time home buyer, you know, um, a young couple or a single person is looking for a condo for their own use, what are some of the things that they should be looking at? Because like you said, there are probably 50 projects going on other than the amenities, other than the location. What are some of the things that you would suggest that they should be looking at in terms of the building? Obviously, their unit as well, but what about developer? What about... I guess, the future of that location or project and so on. What are your thoughts on that? So I think one of the things that is is one of what I would advise someone or my advice, maybe it's biased to me, is I personally think that you want to go into a neighborhood that maybe doesn't necessarily look like it's look like it's fully developed because twofold. If you're going into a neighborhood that's fully developed, you're paying top dollar for the for the unit. And that's not what you're looking to, to do. Whether it's an end user, whether you're buying it for to live in or whether you're buying it as an investment, you still want it to be something that holds value and makes value over time, right? Um, and so I always say going into those tertiary markets is are sometimes diamonds in the rough and you can find these gems that you wouldn't necessarily find by just going to the easy spots like going downtown Toronto. My personal preference is I think it's really, if I was looking at an investment, whether it was a high rise or a mid rise, I would choose likely a mid rise for the reason of you're competing with less units. With mid rises, you're able to have multiple different unit types just because of the terracing and the angular planes of mid rise buildings. 
There's a lot more unique units. Um, and I think that comes into play in terms of livability as well as the value of the unit because you're not comparing, you're not competing with a tower that has, you know, 50 of the same unit going up and down, which is obviously helps just from a, um, a rental perspective or a sale perspective. Yeah. And then finally, you're looking at the unit yourself. If you're a first time home buyer, you really just need to look at something that you can afford. You go in with your budget and you ask the sales team to provide you with the units that are within that range. The last thing you want is to look at a unit and all of a sudden it's $200,000 over your budget and then you're disappointed. Um, you know, I started investing, you know, at the time um, I was very young um, with my boyfriend, now husband at the time. And we were looking for, we didn't know, I didn't know anything about the development industry and we were kind of just getting in and we were looking for something that was smaller because that was all we could afford at the time. I think it's really important for someone who's a first-time home buyer to understand what their budget is and stick to it. Whether or not they're going to live in it or rent it out, that's a decision they can make later. But honest, if you can't afford to be able to come up with those deposits and stuff, it's just going to be a stressful experience. And that's not what a first-time home purchase should be. Agreed. I know that uh, this is exactly what I coach my clients as well, that don't stretch yourselves. No. Even if you are approved for X amount, look at your monthly budget. Do you really want to tie yourself into this amount of monthly payments? Instead of, uh, you know, 700 square feet, go with 550, squeeze yourself a little bit. Yeah. And make yourself comfortable because uh, financial stress is not a good stress to have on. And especially during these uncertain times when, you know, there's a um, recession coming up or it's already here, who knows? Yeah. And interest rates are really uncertain. We just have no idea in terms of where the economy is going, elections coming up in next year, a couple of years. So there is quite a bit of uncertainty. And I would highly recommend, you know, clients or any listener to go in with your comfortable range, like don't overstretch yourself, right? So that's definitely something that we need to reiterate again and again. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the most important things for for anyone, whether you're an investor or whether you, at least if you're an investor, you have, you're a little bit more seasoned and can understand what goes into these things. But specifically for, for a first-time home buyer, it's the, like the financial stress of it is just, it's not even worth it. It's important to make sure that you stick to your budget, as you had mentioned, especially during these times that you don't want to be stuck if something comes up and you're like, I have a deposit due in two months. How am I going to make that deposit? So that's the one of the first things that I always say is, you know, someone should stick to their budget. Um, and I always like to say everything within reason, you know, hopefully on their next purchase, God willing that they'll be able to do one is that they'll be able to afford something more expensive. Right. So I think it's just you you know sometimes we all just need to sacrifice on our first one to be able to get to the to the end goal um yeah. and i think that's really important is being realistic with finances right it's just a stepping stone like the first exactly. i just see it's not your dream home it's never going to be it's just for a way for you to get, get in who you are you know of course goals hopefully in the next few years right yeah i couldn't agree more yeah great okay so um Final thoughts, final questions. Uh, what are some of the projects? I know you had mentioned briefly that you have a few projects going on. Um, so if you want to briefly touch upon what are some latest projects that you have within GTA and uh, finally wrapping up with your contact information as well. Sure. So as I had mentioned, I have a project in Etobicoke. It's thirty called 36 Zora. Um, I have some remaining inventory left over in there. Um, it's a beautiful building um, at, in Etobicoke on Queensway. 
I'm between Kipling and Islington. Um, just recently went to occupancy this August, looking to go to registration at the end of this year. Um, and we have some designer selected suites available still. Um, if anyone's interested, beautiful views overlooking, you have 360 views, you have north, south, east, west, you get water views when you're up on the, to the south and the west and the east. When you're up on the higher floors, you get a beautiful view of the city skyline. It's absolutely amazing. I got my Forest Hill Private Residences project, which is a nine-story boutique building of only 88 suites. Um, I only have a handful of selected suites available there, but I do have some suites available there. We're looking at occupancy in summer of next year um, with registration, hopefully by the end of next year. My other project that's currently under construction in Highland Creek called Highland Commons. I'm currently in the underground construction of both of those buildings. I have um, units available as well. There's none currently on the market right now, but hopefully going to have a new release ready. Within the next five or six months, I'll probably come out with a new release. And that has a myriad. It's a, it, basically its own little site area specific policy. It's a three and a half acre site. It's it's massive and it's a really great offering. Um, I had, and then I have my project that I launched earlier this year called King Size Residences. It's a 10-story boutique building of 156 suites that's now um, available for sale. I have my sales office still open for that. Um, and we have suites ranging in the 400s. Um, so that one's a really great opportunity for someone who's looking. And I got some really great incentives going on um, with that project as well, if anyone's interested in that. Um, and our sales office is open every day except for Fridays. I got some exciting stuff coming to North York as well as um, some further stuff coming to Scarborough um, sometime next year, likely the beginning of next year, but haven't necessarily released information for that. Um, and then I have my North York one. We just started my North York uh, project called Club 285 condominiums that we just started advertising for is coming early 2024. And you'll see those ads out for that. And yeah, if that's not enough product, I'm not sure what is. <laughs> and if anyone's interested in any of our products, please go to alltreedevelopments.com and any links to any of our sites, um, our, our mini inventory and our new projects are there. Um, and that's the best place to find out new information on new releases that we make. Excellent. Perfect. So that was great. And we will have your contact information on our show notes as well. Thank perfect. you so much for your time today, Jordan. Really, Thank really you for having me. It. Okay. Thank, Thank you so much. So there you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed this episode and it gave you a slight glimpse about what the developers are facing currently and uh, what are some good projects that you can perhaps look into for buying, you know, for your own primary residence or investor perspective. If you are into pre-construction or are looking for, like I said, property for yourself, I do recommend that you reach out to Alltree Developments team and uh, their website information is on our show notes. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for listening and uh, hope you have an awesome day. We shall see you next time. Thanks. Take care. 